Well, if you have your copy of God's Word, please open with me to John chapter 10. As you are turning there, it may have been that at some point in your life you have had a conversation with someone, and the conversation went well, and then upon further reflection later on, you realize that one or more of their comments was not quite as nice as you thought initially. Statements like, well, I'm surprised you got that job. Or, hey, you're on time. Uh, are, are commonly known uh, as veiled insults or uh, backhanded compliments. And there is a recurring illustration in Scripture that is a little bit of a backhanded compliment to us. When we examine it closely, and what is that illustration? Well, that we are like sheep. And that might initially seem nice because sheep are warm and soft and cuddly, right? Uh, And lambs are are really cute uh, and adorable. So what is the downside to being called a sheep? Well, physically speaking, sheep are soft and cuddly, yes, uh, but they are also dirty, uh, and they are not able to wash themselves. And any of you who have been to a petting zoo recently, uh, either at the fair or at the farmstead or somewhere else, you realize that. You pet a sheep, and then how do you feel? Where was that hand sanitizer? Where's the hand washing station? Uh, And so, because the dirt gets onto their wool, and then it stays on there until, really, someone washes it off. They're not able to wash themselves. Uh, They also need uh, constant trimming of their hooves, which I found out are actually made of horn. Uh, So their their hooves are constantly in need of being trimmed. Uh, They need to constantly be checked for lice and mites and other parasites. Uh, Their wool has to be trimmed uh, in certain areas so that it prevents it from getting really, really dirty. They need to be sheared at least once a year because their wool continually grows. uh, And if left unaddressed, it will limit their mobility and their uh, sight and really their ability to eat. Uh, There was a a sheep down in Australia that was found recently uh, that had been kind of lost for a couple of years. uh, And it showed a a picture of this sheep and the the wool was like uh, a... uh, probably a, a, a foot wide around them. And it said if, if she had gone much longer without being sheared and cared for, uh, she would have lost the ability to see and move around and eat. So they, they are truly uh, in need of someone to care for them. And sheep also have excellent peripheral vision. They can even see behind themselves without turning their head. Uh, but Uh, They have terrible depth perception. Uh, They cannot really look vertically. So if something was up above them in a tree, they probably wouldn't be able to see that. And maybe worst of all, uh, they have a blind spot directly in front of their nose. So they have great peripheral vision, but it comes at a sacrifice. They literally can't see right in front of their face. They are also extremely vulnerable to predators since they have no means of defending themselves. And sheep are high maintenance. They require more attention than any other livestock. Uh, They are in need of almost constant, endless care 
uh, and attention on the part of the shepherd. So that's just physically, but let's talk behaviorally. What are sheep like? Well, sheep tend to, to stay together as a flock. Uh, and they have such a strong instinct to stay together. Uh, and it's both a, a good quality and a very bad quality. So when one sheep uh, to decides to go somewhere, uh, the sheep have such a strong instinct to stay together and to follow the sheep that is ahead of them, that they will follow that sheep even when the sheep is ahead of them, even if that sheep is misguided. Uh, when you are uh, taking sheep to slaughter, you can literally just line them up and get one going in the right direction, and they will all follow. Uh, and also, if one sheep jumps over a cliff, it's more than likely that all of the other sheep will do the same. That, that instinct within them to stay together and follow the sheep in front of them is so strong that they have no discernment of other danger around them. Uh, and uh, even though they, they have this strong tendency to, to follow the sheep ahead of them, because their eyesight is so poor, uh, they are also prone to wander. That's why it says in, in Romans, quoting the Psalms, uh, all we like sheep have gone astray. Uh, and so uh, it is this instinct and their poor eyesight uh, that often leads to their injury or their death. Uh, and it's because of this instinct to, to follow without a comprehension of danger that has led sheep to be called stupid. And so to sum up, sheep are defenseless, helpless, and high maintenance. They have a blind spot right in front of their nose. They follow one another to a fault, even to their own harm. And yet over and over again in Scripture, God makes connections between us and sheep. And that, and that, should, that should tell us something, right? Not just that we're soft and cuddly, but uh, that we have blind spots. Uh, we, we have uh, dangers that we need to be defended from. We need uh, others to help us see the dangers. And this passage that we have been studying in John chapter 10 is one of the most memorable passages in all of Scripture that speak of us as sheep. And it speaks of us as sheep because it holds up Jesus as the good shepherd. Uh, who uh, lays down his life for the sheep. And if we look at this passage carefully, we are going to see uh, and get to behold Jesus for who he is and what he has done. But we're also going to get little glimpses of who we are and what we are like as well. As we have studied this uh, passage in the past, in the, the context of John chapter 10, uh, Jesus is speaking to the, the religious leaders, specifically uh, the Pharisees uh, from the end of John chapter 9, uh, who uh, were eavesdropping on his conversation with the man that he healed who had been blind from birth. And uh, the Pharisees asked Jesus a question in verse 40 of chapter 9. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. And then the chapter break there doesn't mean that there's a, a change in the setting, uh, but there is a change in, in topic. Uh, Jesus has just in, told them that they are spiritually blind, even though that they claim to have sight. And now he's going to also reveal that not only are they spiritually blind, but they are actually false shepherds. He's going to condemn them. And in the first 10 verses of John 10, 
Jesus indicted these religious leaders as the false shepherds uh, prophesied against in Ezekiel 34. They are the thieves and robbers who devour the sheep for their own benefit. If you look at just in verse 10 uh, of John 10, he says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is constantly contrasting their motives and their ministry with his own motives and his own ministry. And he tells them what they are, that they are thieves and robbers who have come to steal and kill and destroy. And that has been the experience of the flock of Israel with these false teachers. They have been fleeced. They have been abused. They have been shepherded for the benefit of the shepherd, not for the benefit and care of the sheep. And Jesus is warning the people of Israel about these shepherds, even as he is proclaiming that he alone is the shepherd that they must follow. That's what we saw in verses 7 through 10, that Jesus is the only way to have a relationship with God. If you want to be among the flock of God's people, uh, you have to enter through him. What did Jesus say in John chapter 10, verse 7? He made an I am statement. He said, I am the door for the sheep. The only way to get into fellowship and relationship with God is through Christ. But now in verses 11 through 13, Jesus is going to go into greater detail about his care and about his concern for his people. So if you would read with me those verses, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And he flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Just pause a moment and pray. Father, we, we are amazed by your wisdom, by your goodness, by your faithfulness. And we thank you for this picture that we get to see and behold and study this morning. That you, that you, your son, you are the good shepherd who cares for the flock. It was your son who laid down his life for us. And I pray that you would lead us and guide us in understanding and applying these truths to our hearts and to our lives. That we would be transformed even as we just behold who Christ is and what he has done on our behalf. Even as we have already remembered his sacrificial death on the cross by celebrating the Lord's table this morning. Lord, may those truths continue to resonate in our hearts and in our minds as we read and study this passage to your glory, honor, and praise. Amen. Well, as we, as we study this passage in these verses, we are going to, to hear Jesus preaching about his own death. Now, one preacher has said, this is Christ preaching about Christ crucified. And I trust that as we examine this passage, we will see the depth of our shepherd's love for us and his concern for us as his people, as his sheep. 
as we walk through this text, I I would draw your attention to how Jesus really reveals himself to us through three descriptions uh, about the good shepherd, about himself. And the first of these descriptions is found in that first statement of verse 11. The description of the shepherd's character. Jesus begins with a very simple I am statement. We looked at these I am statements uh, two weeks ago. He makes this statement, I am the good shepherd. Now that immediately builds upon so many other uh, layers of Old Testament theology. uh, Of God being the shepherd of Israel. uh, And the Lord using so many shepherds in Israel's history. If you look at all of the, the major men throughout Israel's history, going back to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Joseph, uh, Moses, David, all of them were shepherds. This is a common picture that the Lord wants us to see and understand. And this picture of the good shepherd immediately resonates within our souls, and we we have to to meditate upon it briefly. Now, one uh, Greek uh, dictionary, in in speaking of the, the word translated here as good, defines it in this way. It's pertaining to being attractive in outward appearance. It's beautiful, handsome, fine. Uh, This same Greek word is is translated as noble in Luke 21, verse 5. It says, while some were speaking of the temple and how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings. So this is Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. He is the noble shepherd. Uh, the shepherd who is altogether beautiful, handsome, fine, and wonderful. One uh, pastor uh, put it this way. The word means good in the sense of being morally good, but it also means beautiful, winsome, lovely, attractive, or even possessing all and whatever qualities uh, make the object described a good thing or the person a good person. If you want to think about what is it that makes a uh, shepherd good? Jesus is all of that and nothing less. He is not just a good shepherd. He is the good, noble, and ultimately the perfect shepherd. And he has everything you could possibly want in a shepherd. If you were a sheep, what would you be looking for in a shepherd? Well, you would want a shepherd who is with you always. Check. You would want a shepherd to lead you to green grass and clean water, right? Check. You would want a shepherd to defend you from danger. Check. You would want a shepherd who would wash you and care for you and clean you when you are dirty, right? You want a shepherd who will shear you when needed. You would want a shepherd who will come after you when you have wandered away and got yourself stuck in some type of danger, right? Amen. You can talk to me. It's okay. You want that shepherd, even as Jesus says, to leave the 99 and go find you when you are the one. And if you have wandered away and been a silly, stupid, stubborn sheep, you want that shepherd to welcome you back into the flock when you return. And Jesus does all of those things. He is all of that and more. He is the perfect, noble shepherd. He possesses all the good without any failings. And so it's, it's important to keep this in mind because sometimes 
we get disappointed with our shepherd, don't we? We get disappointed with God about some matter or other. But in those moments of our disappointment, we need to keep in mind, no, wait, he is the good shepherd. There is no failing on his part. And so when we are discontent or dissatisfied or unhappy with how he is shepherding and caring for us, where does the fault lie? In us. Because we are sheep with blind spots, with a tendency to be stubborn and stupid and defenseless. We have to keep this in mind. But we also have to keep in mind that we are a part of his flock. And if we are a part of his flock, we will never be too dirty for him to clean up. Sometimes when we are stuck in the mud, what do we not want to do? We don't want to cry out to our shepherd. So I'll be, it'll be embarrassing for Jesus to see me like this, right? I don't want to call my shepherd at this point in time. But, but we must be willing. There, we are never in a situation where we are too dirty for Jesus to come and clean us up. His sacrifice has paid for our sins in full, right? And he knows all of our sin, even before we cry out to him. But he urges us still to cry out to him. What does that sheep who has wandered off do when they're lost? They start to bleat and baa and make lots of noise so that the shepherd knows where they are. And that is what we are called to do. But if we're going to do that, we have to have a confidence that our shepherd is good and trustworthy. We need to remind ourselves of this truth. We must approach him, as it speaks of in in Hebrews chapter 4. Let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. Knowing that we are going to be heard. Knowing that we are going to be accepted by the good shepherd uh, who sits there and who loves and cares for us. We must see and behold Christ as the good shepherd. And this is a powerful and and poignant description of the shepherd's character. Uh, But there's even more to add because someone's character is also demonstrated in their conduct. And Jesus begins to describe his character first and then he moves on. In that second statement in verse 11, he describes the care that he has for his sheep. The description of the shepherd's care. Jesus explains now what the good shepherd does and to what great lengths he is willing to go in caring for his sheep. He says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That Greek word behind laying down carries the idea of of taking off or giving up. In John 13, 4, the same exact word is used when Jesus is getting ready to uh, kneel down and to wash the disciples' feet. And what does he do with his outer garment? He, He takes it off and he lays it aside. What does Jesus do for us? He takes his life and lays it aside for us. And this same word is going to be used repeatedly in this chapter. It occurs here in in verse 11, but we're also going to see it in verse 15, then in 17, and then twice in verse 18. This is the, the theme of Jesus being the good shepherd, being willing to lay aside his life. And he lays it aside 
on behalf of the sheep. The idea is in place of or for the sheep. What, what did we just read for the Lord's table? 2 Corinthians 5.21 Jesus became sin on our behalf. Jesus bore all of our sin on the cross so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And this phrase, on behalf of or, or for, uh, is not often used in John's Gospel. But when it is used, it points uh, to the sacrificial death of Christ. Uh, even uh, in uh, John chapter 11, verse 50, when the high priest is going to uh, unintentionally prophesy that Jesus is going to die for or on behalf of the people. It's mentioned again in John 18, verse 14, speaking of the high priest's prophecy. Now Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was expedient for one man to die on behalf of the people. Caiaphas just doesn't realize what he has predicted. The Lord using uh, an unsaved man to prophesy truth. Very interesting there, but... But Jesus says that the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the lives of his sheep. But this was not a a common occurrence in uh, the ancient Near East. Uh, It was not common uh, for a shepherd to die uh, for his sheep. Uh, Shepherds committed themselves to live for the sheep. As I I mentioned before, sheep require so much care and attention. That was the commitment that the shepherd was making. I will live for you. Uh, And they didn't tend to to die to save his sheep because if a shepherd dies to save his sheep he hasn't really saved them why well think about all how how helpless sheep are and if there's a dead shepherd then the sheep are probably dead too right how are those sheep going to escape the wilderness and and find pasture how are they going to find food and water and protection the answer is they're not A dead shepherd usually led to dead sheep. But this is what is amazing about the gospel. Because with Christ, with the good shepherd, a dead shepherd doesn't lead to dead sheep. A dead shepherd leads to new life for his sheep. And we are made alive through his death. It's again counterintuitive. Jesus died... For his sheep on behalf of us, he laid down his life. And this is, in fact, what qualifies Jesus as the good shepherd. D.A. Carson uh, says this, The shepherd does not die for his sheep to serve as an example, throwing himself off of a cliff in a grotesque and futile display, bellowing, See how much I love you! No, the assumption is that the sheep are in mortal danger. That in their defense, the shepherd loses his life and that by his death, they are saved. That and that alone is what makes him the good shepherd. Jesus died, yeah, not just as an example. Very comical to think of, right? The shepherd just throwing himself off a cliff like, I love my sheep. Watch me commit suicide. That's not not what Jesus did. He died on our behalf to give us life and indeed The saints in the throne room of heaven sing about Jesus and they sing about his sacrificial death. uh, And that sacrificial death is what makes him worthy. Even as we have sung in the past, that song, Is He Worthy? is alluding to these words in Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. And they sang a new song. 
saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Christ gave his life to purchase his people with his own blood so that we would now belong to God. And a a dead shepherd leads to living sheep in the gospel equation. And we're going to be singing and praising Jesus for his sacrifice for all of eternity. That that is going to be the, the focus of what we get to do in heaven, worshiping him for his sacrifice for us. But with that, if that's what we're going to be doing for all of eternity, how much time and thought and energy do we give that in our day-to-day life right here and right now? Right? Is that a, something that is the foundation to our life that we build upon, or is it something that we kind of tack on to the side of our life? Living for and praising Jesus for who he is and what he has done. This is called to be the, the very foundation of who we are very core of our identity and our purpose in life. Jesus is the good shepherd who has laid down his life for his sheep. And he has described his own character and he has described his care for his sheep. But there's one additional description that we see in these verses that Jesus gives us. Found in verses 12 and 13. This is the the description of the shepherd's contrast. And Jesus does this at times, uh, where, where he will paint a picture uh, of an opposite. Uh, and uh, in painting that picture of something's opposite, we better understand uh, what uh, truth looks like. And this is what he says in verses 12 and 13. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them, and he flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Now, when Jesus introduces this hired hand here, this hired hand is is different from uh, the thief and the robber mentioned earlier in John chapter 10. Uh, The thief and the robber was very clearly uh, the the false teachers uh, and the false uh, religious leaders in Israel. And uh, this hired hand is not necessarily malicious or inherently evil. He's just a hired hand. Uh, And uh, this hired hand may or may not refer to the religious leaders uh, who never displayed a personal care for the sheep in times of danger. Uh, But I think that the broader picture here and the broader intention uh, is Jesus just uh, highlighting uh, that a hired hand cares for the sheep differently than the shepherd cares for the sheep. And Jesus is using this hired hand as what's known as a a literary foil, uh, a a contrasting character to emphasize his own role as a shepherd. Uh, And notice how he describes uh, what the hired hand will do when he sees a wolf far off. The hired hand sees the wolf coming and he abandons the sheep and he flees. The idea of abandoning there the same Greek word that has the idea of releasing or letting go. That same word is the, the word that we get forgiveness from. 
right? God doesn't hold on to our sins. What does he do? He releases them. The same word is also used to translate or to describe divorce, right? When a husband and wife divorce, they are letting go of that spouse and that covenant that they have made. But the hired hand abandons and he seeks safety in flight. He runs away. And the result is that the wolf comes among the sheep and he seizes some of them and the rest of them are scattered. Again, the, the biggest difference between a hired hand and uh, the shepherd uh, is the connection that each one of them has with the sheep, right? The shepherd, the, the sheep belong to him. And again, this is what is emphasized. What's said in verse 12? The sheep are not his, speaking of the hired hand. Uh, in verse 13, he's a hired hand uh, and that he does not care for the sheep. Why does he not care for the sheep? Because they're not his. The hired hand is going to care more about the paycheck than he is about the sheep. So when he sees danger, he's going to run. He's not going to defend. But again, by highlighting the lack of care and concern of the hired hand, he's also emphasizing the love, care, and concern that the true shepherd is going to have for each and every one of his sheep. Right? How the shepherd's intimacy with his sheep is going to lead the shepherd to defend the sheep. Philip Keller uh, shares this experience from uh, a time when he was he just arrived in, in East Africa. He says, just a few days after we moved into the Maasai country, a small, slim boy, about 10 years old, was carried up to our house. And he had single-handedly tackled and killed a young lioness that tried to kill one of his flock. In total self-abandonment and utter bravery, he had managed to spear the lion. But the lion mauled him, and the mauling he took almost cost him his life. We rushed him to the nearest hospital 27 miles away, where his young life was spared as by a thread. But ultimately, why is a, a young boy, 10 years old, willing to battle a lion? Think about that. Why, why is he willing to do that? Because the sheep are his. Those sheep belong to him as a shepherd. And the way that he cares for his sheep will, is connected with his reputation in the community. If that man as a shepherd lets his own sheep be devoured without defending him, how will he be viewed? Will he be viewed as a good shepherd? No. He'll be viewed as acting as a hired hand. The hired hand is more willing to let the sheep die so that he can live. Right? Danger's coming. He's willing to sacrifice the sheep so that he can get away. But the true shepherd, the good shepherd who owns the sheep, the sheep belong to him. He knows them by name. That shepherd is willing to go and defend and fight off the wolf. And in this illustration that Jesus is giving, the hired hand, when he flees, the wolf is able to come and to seize sheep, to snatch them away from a hireling. But the emphasis is that that wolf would never be able to do that if the shepherd was there. And this is going to come back around later on in John chapter 10. If you look with me in verses 
27 and 28. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will, what? Snatch them out of my hand. Right? You can snatch sheep away from a hireling. You can't snatch them away from the shepherd. And Jesus is the good shepherd. He is our shepherd. This is the love that Jesus has for his people. He is willing to die to rescue us. And his death does not lead to our death. It leads to our life in him. And that is exactly what makes Jesus the good shepherd. And Jesus gives us these descriptions of himself as the good shepherd. We have these descriptions of his, his character, his care, and ultimately of his contrast. We better understand what the true shepherd is like by examining how a hired hand would care for the flock. But there is a description that is missing from this passage. Something is implied and portrayed in this illustration of shepherds and hired hands, of, of sheep and wolves. Why did Jesus, as the good shepherd, need to die in place of the sheep? Not talked about here. What was the danger that the sheep needed to be protected from? What, what would lead our shepherd, the good shepherd, to lay down his life for us? What, would, what danger would be so great that our shepherd would need to die in defending us? Ultimately, the greatest danger that we face is found not external to us, not lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Now, the greatest danger that we face is found in us, within our own hearts and minds. It is the this, this sin that resides in us that leads uh, the wrath of God to be upon us. That's why Jesus was willing to give his life as a sacrifice. Think of these words that you are probably familiar with from Isaiah chapter 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him, the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Think about the, those familiar verses. But again, the reality of what Jesus endured on our behalf. He, he died to save us from danger. But it's a danger that resides in each and every one of us, a danger that can only be dealt with uh, by looking to Him in faith. Right? For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, this is what we are called to, to see and behold, that Christ is the good shepherd. And won't we trust in him today? 
And not just today, but each and every day, knowing that He is there to lead us and guide us, that He is willing to accept us when we call out to Him in faith. Trusting in Him rather than in ourselves. Because He lived a perfect life for us. He died a sacrificial death for us. And He ascended and grows out of the grave for us. We are called now to live for Him. But in this, the Good Shepherd laying His life down for His sheep, we see both the glory of our Savior and the greatness of our sin. That Jesus had to die in order to rescue us from this danger. It's a good reminder, right? With all of that we are facing right now, it's easy to begin to believe that the greatest danger that we face is a virus. Or the greatest danger that we face is the government. Or the greatest danger that we face is anything external to us. Must regularly remind ourselves, what did Jesus die to save us from? It wasn't sickness. It wasn't uh, tyrants. It was sin residing in us. The worship of things that are not God and that will ultimately enslave us and lead us to judgment. I love what one of the Puritans writes about this, Thomas Brooks. He says, Consider that these very sins, which Satan paints in virtue, also cost the blood of the Lord Jesus in sorrow and death. And he who waved the scepter of heaven was spit upon and nailed to the cross. Ah, how should it provoke our hearts to gain revenge upon sin? Sin has murdered the Lord of glory. It was good counsel that one gave. Never let it go out of your minds, the thoughts of a crucified Christ. Let this be meat and drink unto you, your sweetness and consolation, your honey and your desire, your reading and your meditation, your life, death, and resurrection. Amen? I pray that that would be our meditation, even as we got to study Jesus Himself preaching on Christ crucified. 